Welcome to it, everyone. This is another edition of Wired In. My name is Blake Johnson, and I'm not necessarily sitting beside, but remotely sitting close to my yeah, co-host, Spencer Coles. How are you doing today? Doing all right. How's uh, how's it going in your neck of the woods? Going pretty good. Going pretty good. It's it's moving along quickly through the rest of this year. We're already oh, dude. about yeah, to hit November. The election is just a few days away, and then we got Thanksgiving and Christmas, and voila, 2021. All the fun stuff, man. All the fun stuff. I can't wait for riots and <laughs> more death and shootings. That's just a beautiful time of year to just come hey, together. You can, you can experience it all during your uh, holiday shopping. That's, that's right, yeah. I saw <laughs> that just reminded me of a Babylon Bee post I'd seen yesterday. of <laughs> said a, a protester hit it. Hit Two things in one trip. He rioted and got his Christmas shopping done all in one day. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way to do it. Hey, the two work. You know, they're they're kind of like you know peanut butter and jelly. They just go they just go super well together. Yeah, just just like peanut yeah. butter and jelly, just <laughs> like that. Well, yeah, it's it's been you know a couple of weeks since we've done an episode. We were kind of busy last weekend, and it just. Things didn't work out to where we were able to get a show out in time, but we are here. We definitely wanted to make sure and get an episode out this week because a lot's happened, especially in the past couple of weeks. Oh, but yeah. we did want to talk a little bit about the upcoming election. I don't know how deeply we'll get into it just because, you know, people make predictions all the time and all this kind of stuff. But it's really just it's I feel like we're living just this, this whole year has been an example of living in unprecedented times. So. It, it who's I have no idea what's going to happen, but it still should be a little fun to give some predictions on it, if you will, and we'll we'll touch up on that later on in the show. But we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, and before we really get into that again, if you are a first time listener, you can pretty much find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We're up on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, all the all the big names you can really find us on, and. Make sure you spread the word, and whatever platform you're listening to us on, give us a rating, five-star review, and spread the word about the show, and we will more than greatly appreciate that. So, yeah, let's just let's just dive right on into it. I know there's a this story that you've really been wanting to get into, Spencer, and I, I've been kind of interested in it myself. But the and we've t- we've talked about it on the show before. But the new Cyberpunk 2077 game, which it seems like the more news we hear about this game, the more it's like, wait, maybe there's a reason they're calling it 2077, because that's the year it's going to come out. Yeah, (laughs) it won't be released until 2077. (laughs) Exactly. It's more than just a name. It's life. But this has been the third, third or fourth time they have delayed this game. I think and, it's the fourth major delay. I know, like okay. early on in development, they gave kind of like like smaller delays. Um, okay. But yeah, this is like I think, to my knowledge, this is like their their fourth major delay. In, okay. Uh, with the actual release of the game. Because originally this was slated to come out in mid November or early to mid November, mm-hmm. and it's been delayed for about three weeks. Supposed to come out on December tenth. So. They, yeah, well, the original the original release date I believe was supposed to be back in September, and then they postponed it to October and then November. But I think even before then, I think there was a, a slight delay in in mid in mid November, and then they were like, okay, we're gonna push it to 
October and then they were like, oh, wait, we're going to push it to <laughs> you know, November. Yeah. And now they're like, oh, hey, now it's December. So. Well, and what's really been causing a bit of a stir and, you know, I, I can understand this, but one of the last delays they did, I think it was the last delay they did, they said, there will be no more delays. This is the last one. And then they they put out a tweet saying, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is now gold and which yeah. you know, which basically means that, you know, it, it's ready to be shipped, it's ready to it's pretty much complete. Um from what I've seen, it's kind of an outdated term nowadays because not as many games it, it, it referred especially when it was used referred more to like physical discs, you know, cuz you're basically taking the uh, there's a there's another term that's used not necessarily going gold but there's another term used for like you know the master copy if you will of the disc that all the other games are made from and, and so on and so forth but yeah that, it's kind of the same premise uh, basically with, with what it means yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so you know that's that's what's kind of bitten them um in the in the backside because you know you're telling people and you know they, they've been waiting for a while they've pre-ordered this game and they've been telling them, okay, no more delays. This is it. It's ready to go. And then they, they up and do this. So this is, this is the statement they released on Twitter. I'll just read some of it to you, and then we'll just discuss it. it they said, today we've announced, we've decided to move the release date of Cyberpunk 2077 by 21 days. New release date is December 10th. Most likely there which are is many... Just, which is just like soft talk for three weeks. They're like, oh, it's only 21 days. It's like, uh, so in other words, like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they said, uh, continuing on, most likely there are many emotions and questions in your head. So first and foremost, please accept our humble apologies. The biggest challenge for us right now is shipping the game on current gen, next gen, and PC at the same time, which requires us to prepare and test nine versions of it. So there's going to be nine versions of this game um, there's going to be versions of it for the Xbox One and the Xbox One X and compatibility for the Series S and the X, PS4, PS4 Pro, and PS5, PC, and Stadia. So I don't think Nintendo is listed on there yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they eventually get their hands on it at some point. Uh, we'll see, though. But anyway, they said that um, it's been tough to get them on nine versions of it while working from home. Since Cyberpunk 2077 evolved towards almost being a next-gen title somewhere along the way, we need to make sure everything works well and every version runs smoothly. We're aware that it might seem unrealistic when someone says that 21 days can make any difference in such a mass- massive and complex game, but they really do. Some of you might also be wondering what these words mean in light of us saying we achieved gold masters some time ago. Passing certification or going gold means the game's ready, can be completed, and has all content in it. But it doesn't mean we stop working on it and raising the quality the quality bar. On the contrary, this is the time where many improvements are being made, which will then be distributed via a day day zero patch. This is the time period we undercalculated. We feel we have an amazing game on our hands and are willing to make every decision, even the hardest ones, if it ultimately leads to you getting a video game, you'll fall in love with. And that's the end of that quote. Now, you know, it's kind of interesting, too, because the original release date is was supposed to to happen again around 
early to mid-November, and alongside that, you've got some pretty big games and systems coming out. I mean, you've got the Xbox Series X and S coming out on November 10th. You've got the new Assassin's Creed coming out the same day, along with Destiny 2 Beyond Light. And you've also got some you got some other games too. The PS5 comes out on the 12th. This new Spider-Man game, Demon Souls, Godfall, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War. Um, and so originally it was supposed to come out November 19th. That's the original day. I was trying to find it, but I finally finally found it. But yeah, it's um, you know, personally, I understand being upset about it. I mean, you know, there's a like if they were making a KOTOR 3 or something like that and they kept delaying it like this, I'd be pretty upset. At the same time, though, I understand and it seems like it's going to be a, a pretty massive game. These are this. This is the same. What's the name of the company? It's something Project Red, right? What? It, yeah, what, CD, CD Project. CD Red. Project Red. Okay. Same ones that made The Witcher 3, which was a massive success. And, you know, it... We'll see how it goes. I mean, there's concerns that there there may be bugs in it, and that's you know sometimes when they have delays like that, it's partly because of bugs that they're trying to get rid of. I'd read somewhere that The Witcher Three before it released had like five thousand bugs in it that they had to fix before it eventually came out. Oh, I'd say probably more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an argument to be made that that's why they're doing it, and you know, I'd I'd rather them have a game that comes out and not to say that there, because there's always going to be games that you know people make updates on along the way, but for the most part, have a game that's pretty easy to play and it doesn't you know crash on you a bunch of times or while you're playing the game something screws up or whatever. But it is still frustrating, and I, I definitely think they made a mistake by just saying, "Oh yeah, no more, no more updates. This is this is it. <laughs> We're gonna stop delaying everything and it's ready to go." And you know, I, I mean, that's just poor. Uh, uh, just poor communication on their end as far as I can as far as I can see well and you know the crazy thing too is like you know they talk about going gold and everything but like when it comes to I don't think historically speaking I don't think there's ever been a game that is you know gone gold quote unquote but then ends up getting delayed like it's like historically speaking I've never heard of that ever being a thing and you know, and and another thing that concerns me too is, you know, they're talking about, oh, well, we had to delete the game due to compatibility testing with all these different, you know, console ports and things like that. But typically, and, and this is my understanding, this is based off of talking with numerous people who have, at to some extent, done some form of game development. And typically, when a game has, like, all the compatibility testing and stuff is done well before a game is even towards the point of reaching gold. So why there would be why they would wait until now to have to delay the game for compatibility testing is just odd. Something just doesn't add up here. What I think ultimately happened was there was something so astronomically huge and game breaking that they had to do an emergency delay for the game. Mm -hmm. There was just something so massive that they had happened to overlook that they needed to do an emergency delay on the game. And again, they, they really painted themselves into a corner here uh, due to the fact that um, they promised their fan base, they promised their, you know, their, their customers, 
that they wouldn't add any more delays to the game. Uh, which is, you know, again, this is now their, what, their fourth major delay. And so, you know, I, I, I've heard all these people, you know, basically complain about that. I was like, oh, you know, people are just mad that, you know, CD Projekt Red, you know, is working under crunch or whatever. And it's like, no, people aren't mad that the devs are working under crunch. It's the fact that they all agreed to work under crunch so that they could hit this November deadline and promise, you know, promise their customers that they would hit this deadline ultimately to on a whim you know less than less than a month away before release they decide oh hey by the way we're delaying the game again mhm yeah i mean i i would i would agree with that you know from the from some of the reactions i was seeing on their on their post about it i mean that's what it seemed like a lot of the people were upset about was the fact that they they said it was done being delayed and there weren't going to be any more delays you know and i understand that even even if you think something is complete you never know something will just pop up and you're just like okay well this is gonna suck it's you know it's gonna be pretty bad press for us but it needs to be fixed because it'll be even worse press for us if we don't fix it i understand that but again that's why you don't say definitively there will be no more you know, delays, you know, uh, you know, yeah, there, sometimes there are delays, but you just expect it. I would rather know that it could be delayed than be promised that it won't be. And then it is, you know, like, yeah, exactly. That, that just takes that, you know, you're just stringing your, your, your customer along by that, by that point. And, you know, eventually if, they're going to stop the pre-orders and like, okay, well I'm just going to cancel my pre-order and just wait till it's finally out and then I'll get it. Yeah. You know, and that's what I would encourage people to do. You know, don't, don't pre-order games because again, once you get, once, once you give, you know, you know, publishers and uh, developers money, they're not going to be as incentivized to, you know, fully deliver on their promise, you know, because, they already have your money. It's same thing. The same principle goes for early access games, right? Mm-hmm. Like, whenever you give developers money before an actual product is finished, they're not going to be as incentivized to work as hard on the game because, again, they already have your money. So, and and what's what's funny too, and I also wanted to bring this up. Is literally yet the the day before they released this statement about the delay, somebody had gone onto their Twitter page and or you know had basically tweeted them, you know asking them for a full confirmation on the release date, and they were like full confirmation. Their PR team was like full confirmation on the game, and then the next day they dropped this, and they're like, uh, you know, shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I think ultimately. Once the game comes out, if it turns out to be, you know, for the most part, pretty good and people enjoy the game, I think they'll they'll quickly forgive CD Projekt Red for this. But if it does come out and there's some significant bugs in it, that is not going to look good on them at all. Well, and yeah, and, 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 you know, we talk about the delays for this game, but, you know, I'm sure this game is going to be fantastic. I, I, I have no doubt about that, but... I just I wouldn't be entirely surprised if there are issues at launch with Cyberpunk, um, because again, you know, Witcher Three had problems at launch, 
So, but you know, that game still ended up, you know, turning out to be a masterpiece of a game. So make of that what you will, but you know, for these people who are going out and canceling their pre-orders, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable for them to, because, you know, time and time again, this game has been getting delayed and, you know, these devs keep setting these release dates and these promises and they keep failing to deliver on them. I mean, well, and, and to put this in perspective, uh, another game that got delayed into oblivion was The Last Guardian. And look how, you know, that game as a whole turned out. Um, you know, the reception for it overall was not particularly very positive. Um, and this was made by the same studio that made like games like Shadow of the Colossus uh, and Eco. Um, so, you know, it, it can happen. You know, you can, you can have companies with goodwill that, you know, in a matter of an instant, you know, destroy their, you know, goodwill, destroy their reputation, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of delays, we've got another couple things that are being delayed. Um, another game is being delayed for different reasons, I'm guessing. At least that's what they're saying on the outset. Uh, we'll We'll see. But uh, Far Cry 6 has been delayed until next year, I think. I'm not it's... even going to lie. I had no idea there was another Far Cry in development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. They, they said it's supposed to release between April of next year and March of 2022. And they say the delays are due to complications related to the developers working from home and because of the COVID stuff, and they're not getting everything done in time, so on and so forth, and so they they're delaying that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of interested in Far Cry Six. You know, the 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 I guess you would call the lead bad guy in it is the oh I always forget how to pronounce his name, but he's the the guy from the Mandalorian. The, the black guy, the one with the dark saber. Oh, yes. Gosh, I wish I could remember his name. I can't. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. He was in, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was in Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. He's been a lot of, a lot of big projects. So mm -hmm. he's, he's playing the main bad guy in this one. And it, it looks pretty interesting, although I haven't really seen much in the way of gameplay. I've, I've seen like a theatrical looking trailer which doesn't really give much oh, insight into wait a minute. i okay yep it's i have seen yep, yep. him I and his son yep. and he's got the gun at the end and el presidente the, and everything got yep. the protesters in the streets and stuff yep. on fire yeah so yeah that's uh that's been delayed for a little bit and then this one actually kind of stings for me so tomb raider 2 has been delayed indefinitely there's been no really no statement on a release date, and they, they say it's because of COVID and they've been having trouble getting people together to shoot for it. It doesn't sound like it's because they don't want to make the movie or anything like that. I mean, they, they're literally saying that it's because of the pandemic and it, it impacts their film industry and being able to, to shoot and get everything done in time. But it, but from the story that I'm reading from the rap, it's not even on their calendar. Like it's been entirely removed from MGM's release calendar. So oh wow, okay. yeah. So hopefully it doesn't get canceled. I personally liked the first one of the rebooted of the uh, 
Alicia Vikander um, movies. You know, it, it was fine. It wasn't like anything groundbreaking, but it was fine. It was enjoyable. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But hopefully, hopefully they'll get a release date out soon. And then we talked about, I think, on the last show, the new James Bond film, No Time to Die. That's been delayed yet again until April of next year. So there's just been a lot of things getting delayed lately, and it really stinks, you know? Yeah. So one thing that's not getting delayed, though, is The Mandalorian, which comes out hopefully today. I'm planning to have this podcast out on Friday. But uh, that's that's going to be exciting. So, But, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a crazy, crazy time that we're living in, and it's frustrating. It really is. Yeah, well, and like, uh, you know, for instance, like, I mean, it's just st- stuff in general has just been getting delayed like crazy. I mean, um, like, I know with like Matt Reeves' Bat- latest Batman film, and that's not, you know, that that's not going to come out until like, you know, next year, like sometime around next year of 2021. So, you know, around this time next year, I should say. Um, so... And there was a lot of speculation whether it was actually due to, you know, Robert Pattinson having COVID or um, whether there was actual tension on set. You know, I mean, who knows? I'm not going to get too far in the details of that. But, you know, just it just seems like films in general are just getting, you know, postponed, (laughs) like left and right. It's pretty nuts, man. Well, and I know Black Widow is another one that's gotten delayed. You know, that was supposed to come out early this year. Yeah, and I was actually re- looking, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I was too. I, at first, I was like, why are they making a Black Widow movie after, spoiler alert, she's dead. But yeah. but it actually looks pretty interesting, and I, I'm, I'm eager to see it. So uh, I don't think they've made any... I don't think Disney has made any statements on planning to release it on Disney+. Plus Because, you know, even though, even though a lot of people would watch it, I mean... If you're making a big budget film like that, you're probably not going to get enough back on just a subscription service to make up for how much you spent to make the film. So I can understand why they would want to release it in theaters to yeah, a, a, a bigger audience and then release it on Disney Plus. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'd seen a story actually the other day. I almost forgot about this, but. Actually, the the new James Bond film may end up going to streaming instead of theaters, but it's uncertain because I guess they tried to approach a couple different streaming services and they wanted them to pay like hundreds of millions of dollars to stream it on there wow. so they could make their money back that way. And they're like, yeah, no, we're out. We're not paying you five yeah. to six hundred million dollars to have it on our streaming platform. <laughs> I guarantee you, Netflix Just won't insane. do that because they're already in yeah. crap ton of debt. They're not going to yeah, add six hundred million more to that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, like I mentioned previously, we can kind of shift a little bit into topics. But the Mandalorian is pretty much out already. Um, by the time you're listening to this podcast. And pretty excited about it, you know. I we we've kind of touched on this a little bit in past episodes. I enjoyed the first season. I I really enjoyed it when I first saw it because it was new. It was the very first Star Wars live action TV series, 
And, you know, it was, it didn't have anything to do with the sequels. Thank the Lord for that. You know, (laughs) and you had a, you had a Mandalorian, which I was excited about. I've always wanted to see them focused more on in Star Wars, you know, film and TV. So that was finally happening. But I, you know, I enjoyed it when I first watched it, but I've tried to go back and watch the eight episodes leading up to the new season. And I just can't do it because it's it's fine it's not a bad show but it really just takes a long time to get through it seems and which is weird because the the episodes are short but i don't know is it just me because i feel like it's not quite as entertaining watching it a second time as it was a first time because it was new so i don't know i i'm i'm still hopeful that the second season will be really good i think it will be i think my my theory is the first season typically is, you know, you're building your characters, you're introducing a bunch of different things and worlds and so forth. So it's not as big into the the plot as far as, the, you know, really big suspenseful things happening. So I'm, I'm hopeful that the, se- the second season will delve more into that. I heard that the first episode is going to be an hour long, like 50, 52 to 57 minutes long. Well, and I heard um, that that's, all that's the really episodes good. <laughs> are supposed to be, um, at least to my understanding, that all the episodes are going to be an hour long now. Yeah, I could I think, be wrong about that, but um, yeah. Well, I, I had seen that John Favreau said that each episode is going to be about the same length. So if that's true, then that makes me hopeful yeah. that each episode is going to be an hour long as opposed to 30 to 40 minutes. I think the first, I, I'd forgotten about this, but the first episode was like 20 minutes. Yeah. Which is insane to like, why would you, that gives you basically nothing, you know, to, to go off of. So, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think, I think my issue with season one was that again, the episodes I felt like were just really condensed, really shortened. Uh, and it didn't give time to really like, you know flesh out certain like story arcs and character arcs and things of that nature and i think having that longer format i th- i think it'll allow for you know for the pacing of the the pacing of the show to just kind of flow better and and not only that too but i, I i'm hoping you know and this was just kind of something subjective for me but I was really wanting to see more bounty, like actual bounty hunting, um, from the show because you know, you know, just the title from the Mandalorian, but it just it kind of centralized around Baby Yoda and that you know this yeah. this elite bounty hunter you know is is just all of a sudden taking care of this kid, and I don't know I w- I was really hoping that there would be more bounty hunting, um, you know, from the actual show. Uh, and and I think it would have if they had stuck more towards the bounty hunting uh, premise of the show. I think you know the kind of like the 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 monster of the week uh, format could have really worked because you could have you know each episode centered around one villain and it you know kind of be like weirdly enough I know this comparison is gonna be weird but like you know the kind of how you know the Scooby Doo model was you know you'd have you know monster of the week and so we do we do. <laughs> yeah exactly but, uh, yeah so i think hopefully they, they kind of 
if they, if they are going to do the same type of format of like a monster of the week formula like they did in season one then i hope it's more centralized around bounty hunting but again i know I, i'm not my hopes you know i'm not placing too much hope in that because again baby yoda is the the, the driving force of the narrative so. Yeah, and we'll we'll see how it goes, especially after this second season, and we'll see how it goes in in future seasons. I already heard that I think that season three has been confirmed, so there. I think I'd heard that season three and four is gonna happen, so we'll see. From my from my understanding, anyway. But my one of my concerns from the first season. And I really hope I am wrong on this, but even from the trailer that I saw from season two, it does not alleviate my concerns on this. My concern is, while yes, Baby Yoda is, yeah, sure, he's he's a cute little alien, he's new, something that we've not really seen before. But my concern was the title of the show was The Mandalorian, and like you said, the driving force of the first season was baby Yoda. So I'm hoping that they haven't built up the child, if you will so much that when they, if they do decide to focus on the Mandalorian, it won't work ratings wise because people don't want to see that. You know what I mean? Like I don't want it to be so focused on the child that it's no longer really about the Mandalorian because from what I'd seen mm-hmm. on the the season two trailer, you know he was taking he was taking the child to this ice planet, which I'm pretty sure is Ilum. That's what I'm, I'm like 99% sure that's Ilum, not Hoth. And it seemed like it was gonna delve more into his Force powers, and you know he's looking for the Jedi. So is it going to focus more on that? What I was kind of interested in when the show was announced was I was kind of hoping to see something like like actually delving into the history of the Mandalorians and maybe trying to rebuild the Mandalorian, you know, order or army, whatever you want to call it. Because, you know, the history of the Mandalorians is actually very interesting. There are wars with the Republic and which... I will say they they mentioned that in the trailer, so that gives me hope that they might, you know, focus some on that and, and maybe have that as part of a plot. But you know, I, I I would like to see more bounty hunting as well. But I would also really like to see them focus on, you know, the lore of the Mandalorians and trying to you know resurrect resurrect them, if you will, and him meeting new Mandalorians and so on and so forth. So I, I get the feeling they probably will, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, and um, and it's funny because, I mean, at the uh, again, this is kind of going into spoiler territory. So um, if you haven't seen season one, then absolutely don't. Uh, you know, you can turn Mute. away now. Um, <laughs> Mute. But towards the end of season one, um, we basically get the impression that a uh, majority of the Mandalorians that were hiding out on uh, is it most Isley than um um that the um, that basically Mendo's like kind of central home, like planet is yeah sure. yeah I think so I'm pretty sure it's most Isley um yeah so 
it's kind of implied that basically towards the end of season one that a majority of them have either been wiped out or they've you know basically you know deserted they've they've fled the order more or less mm-hmm. so it makes me wonder because uh it makes me wonder if mando is going to basically try to like kind of revive the 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 death watch uh, or not death watch i'm sorry the um um whatever tribe that um uh that whatever tribe that Django was uh, a part of um, yeah i think it was it was death watch i'm pretty was, sure i couldn't remember if Django was a part of death watch or not um it was it, it was definitely a part of the clone wars arc i think it was in around late season 4 when they when they brought Death Watch into it, but yeah, it, yeah, because then because they there was an arc there of Obi Wan traveling to Mandalore, and he was he was lifelong friends with um, Duchess Satine, as I, I think is her name, um, the leader of the Mandalorians, and it's kind of interesting because in that arc, it's Mandalore is a peaceful planet, and they've pretty much done away with you know the Mandalorian way of old. And now yeah. they're now they're a pacifist planet. Well, Death Watch is wanting to resurrect the more you know warrior, violent aspect of the Mandalorians. And I, I'm I'm pretty sure Jenga was part of that. I, I can't he either remember. was a part of it or he um, made some form of a reference to it. Um, I'm about to look that up right now. Yeah, but I mean it. That would be that would be interesting to see for sure. And one thing one thing that I'm hoping to see, but I'm also nervous to see, is them more than likely. I mean, it's pretty much confirmed that Ahsoka Tano is gonna be a live action character in this in this series. And for those of you who don't know, Ahsoka Tano is like a major character in the Star Wars Clone Wars TV series. She is the apprentice to Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars and then you know right as the Clone Wars were ending she ultimately left the Jedi Order and then you go into the Rebels TV show and you learn more about how that happened and what happened after that and so on and so forth and basically at the end of Rebels is like they did a time jump and it's between episode 6 and The Force Awakens which is right around the time that the Mandalorian takes place is in between Return of the Jedi and the Mandalorian, or Mandalorian, uh, Force Awakens. So it makes me wonder if, because there there was definitely some things that they didn't wrap up plot-wise as far as characters go, so it makes me wonder, especially since Dave Filoni, who made the Clone Wars and Rebels, is going to try to bring that into its next phase into this show. I would not be surprised if that happened. I could definitely see that, uh, and and to make a correction to what uh, I had said earlier, so Django was never in Death Watch, but he okay. was. So this is this is from um, the, the wiki. So Django Fett, now a fully fledged Mandalorian warrior, fought back dozens of Death Watch soldiers alongside the true Mandalorians under his command, while Mas- uh, while J- uh, Jaster Mareel and his second in command uh, Montrose came under fire from uh, Vizsla himself. So he was part of the the true Mandalorian, um, okay. Like I guess resistance um, to the Death Watch, because mm. um, because again I knew there was some reference with him in Death Watch, but I couldn't remember precisely. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I could very well see because it seems like because uh, I think in season one there is a there's like kind of a flashback with uh, a Jin where he's like picked up by you know a group of Mandalorians mm-hmm. and there's kind of hint of whether that was the Death Watch or you know the true Mandalorians. So you know yeah. there's potential that he was raised by either one of those orders and it would be cool to see if you know if if Jin was raised under death watch if he would attempt to you know after he's returned baby yoda if he would try to basically revive the order of the death watcher you know whatever you know tribe he was in yeah yeah that would be interesting too and you know, uh, another another thing that leads me to believe they 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 are going to delve more into the the history of the Mandalorians is the very end of season one when the villain and I can't believe I can't remember his name, but the the Imperial villain um, crashes his Tie Fighter, gets out of it, and he he's carrying the um, the dark saber. Which is essentially it's a black lightsaber. It's it it's the best way I can describe it. But it's it's the weapon of the death. The last time it was seen on screen, anyway, was um, it was actually a part of Death Watch, and it was also part of I think um, I think Darth Maul um, when he was briefly the leader of the Death Watch. He uh, he wielded the dark saber. So. It makes you wonder, at least made me wonder, where in the world did he get that from? So they're probably going to explain that, and it's probably going to tie something into Death Watch slash Darth Maul slash something like that. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be interesting to see for sure. Oh, for sure, definitely. So yeah, I mean, as you can tell, we're, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it, slightly. It it's one it's one of those things where we can we finally have good reason to be looking forward to something Star Wars related because well yes you know parts of the the first season was a little slow for me I still enjoyed it I, it certainly wasn't a bad season by any means and it was by far much better than the the sequel trilogy that we got so you know it, there's that but uh, you know just slightly. <laughs> did you see that? Uh, did you see that? Ewan McGregor was on the set of The Mandalorian in his uh, classic Obi Wan outfit from the prequels. Really? Yeah he he's not in the show, but he was there at the time that they were oh, shooting, okay, I see. and he so uh, just kind of like a two sets crossing over sort of thing. Yeah, he just walked on. He he had his uh, his prequel robes from uh, Revenge of the Sith, and. He just he walked up on stage and and in front of everyone and was like hello and you know freaked everybody out I'm like oh my gosh it's Ewan McGregor so <laughs> that that was kind of cool so it, it sounds like they're gonna I think he said they're gonna be filming in March I think or maybe it's earlier than that but it's it's pretty soon that they're gonna be filming for the Obi Wan show yeah. that's supposed to come out in like a year year and a half something like that so. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I'm curious as to how that will turn out. Uh, I'm. I just again. I just hope that Kathleen Kennedy. I just hope that the higher ups from Lucasfilm just don't interfere. Just mm-hmm. let you know your let your creative teams work. 
<laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because I I was watching a podcast um, hosted by Star Wars Theory on, on YouTube, and he was talking about how he knows like one or two people that supposedly work for uh, Lucasfilm, and they were describing... They were describing the culture in a in a way that was very similar to what we were speculating on. Basically, saying that you know you have the the OG Star Wars creators, if you will, that have been around since the Lucas era, and and then you've got you know the corporate Disney employees that are now a part of it, and it's it's just different to work in that in that environment and supposedly you know they are especially the ones that worked there during the lucas era are trying to pitch ideas to disney saying hey let's let's make this they're trying to make original ideas and they're like yeah but we don't see that working we're we we don't think that's going to sell we need to make more of nostalgia like things that people are going to actually get into and it basically what the what this person who supposedly works for Lucasfilm is saying is that, you know, it's very frustrating to work there if you are really trying to put out new ideas and you understand Star Wars better because you actually worked there under George Lucas. You know what I mean? So yeah, but all they care about is their bottom line. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's we'll see. I mean, I so I mean I I've seen evidence of that already in some of the stuff they've made so but who knows who knows um let's see oh i guess one last story we could we could get into a little bit here i, I thought this was kind of kind of cool so um sony just released a statement uh, i think in the past day or two saying that they're going to keep making playstation 4 games into 2022 you hear about this really oh yeah i was not aware of that yeah so sony's jim ryan the ceo of sie explained that uh he basically they want to keep making games for the ps4 because the the ps4 community is still very much alive and well and because of you know the tough economic times that people are living in they understand that not everyone can get just up and upgrade to a, a PS5. So they're essentially saying that they want to make more PlayStation, new PlayStation games available for the PS4. That way, people who can't afford a PS5 can still play the new games and, you know, into the next couple of years. So that's, uh, that's interesting. I feel like they were definitely pressured into that by uh, because of the fact that Microsoft is basically mm-hmm. any new game that's being you know created for the next gen to- like consoles will be also available to the like One X and the One S and things of that nature. Um, yeah, and I was just getting ready to say that too because Microsoft was well ahead of of Sony on this one, saying that you know they were gonna cause I, the new I the new Call of Duty like game. Yeah. The new Call of I Duty honest- game is, is coming out on the Xbox One S as well, so it's interesting. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I feel like it's kind of somewhat of a bad move 
on Sony's end because again, the whole the whole premise with developing games solely for the PS5 was that games would run more efficiently. Games would be, you know, the development for for those games would, you know, those games would be specifically made to for the hardware to be effectively used in the PS5. Um and now that they're kind of going away from that, I don't think we'll see as many next gen titles mm-hmm. hitting the, you know, the 60 FPS mark, uh especially in 4K. I, I don't I don't well, first of all, I I don't foresee 4K 60 FPS being a thing, period. Um but but even still with the fact that they're going away from you know, with the fact that they're porting, you know, they're porting games, next-gen games to the PS4 as well, um, I think that will drastically impact the optimization of next-gen titles. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely think that's a good point because, you know, if you're if you're making a console that's a next-gen console that's supposed to run more efficiently and and be able to handle more intense games, but you're making these games also for the previous generation. I mean, do you just purposefully make the, the PS4 version, you know, not as good or cause I guess the, uh, the new Spider-Man game, Miles Morales is going to be on PS4, but what's kind of stupid about the whole thing is, so they've just remastered the, the Spider-Man game from, I think 2018, they've remastered it for the PS five. And what they're doing is you can get the, what's called the ultimate edition of the miles Morales, Spider-Man game on PS five. And if you do that alongside that game, you'll get the remastered version of the Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man game from a couple of years ago, attached to it for like an extra 10 bucks. You know, it's like 70 bucks for that for that title. But if you if you own the original version for PS4 and you were to get Miles Morales for the PS4, that's not an option. So it's like you're you're almost spending more money for a lesser game. You know what I mean? So (laughs) that's kind of silly, I think. Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll see how it how it goes. I mean. Who knows? Maybe it'll make it easier for you know someone like you and I to to get a PS5 if people are like oh well I'll just play the the newer games on my PS4 and not upgrade. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'm fine with that if it makes it easier for me to get one. But who knows? I, I guess they they'd said in a recent statement that they've made they've made like I don't know if it was twice as many or they they made a certain percentage more. PS5 units than they did PS4 units at launch. So they're essentially saying that they're going to have they're going to have more than is anticipated of PS5 consoles to buy at launch, which they may still sell out quickly, but who knows? Maybe maybe it'll be a little bit easier yeah. to get your hands on one at at launch date. We'll see, but um and I guess uh yeah, before we before we end up off the show, we'll spend a, a few minutes on this almost forgot about it actually. So the election is just in a few days. So that's certainly something to get excited about, right? I mean, Sometimes, I don't know about you, man. but <laughs> it's just been a joyous ride leading up to this point. 
It feels like it's lagged and rushed all at the same time. Exactly, exactly. And I guess there's already been like 40 million or 40 to 60 million people that have already voted. Yeah. Ahead of of the last debate that happened, what, last week? Ahead of that, there was already 40 to 60 million people that turned in their ballots, which is crazy to think about. And I guess they're experiencing record level turnout across the board from people that are early voting and and oh i i definitely wouldn't doubt it well yeah i mean i think both sides are pretty energized for (laughs) who they want to win you know i I don't necessarily think that people are i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes when it actually plays out but i don't necessarily think that people on the left are excited for joe biden i just think they're energized to get rid of trump so whereas people on the right generally speaking are excited to vote for Trump, but they're also really wanting to make sure that, you know, Joe Biden doesn't get in because, you know, I've kind of noticed that it's not even necessarily about going after Joe Biden as it is going after the left and the ones that are propping him up Mm -hmm. and the ones that want to, you know, serve in his administration and have, you know, essentially all the power. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Tuesday turns out. Uh, you know, I keep hearing that it's going to be a extremely close election, similar to the 2000 election between Bush and Gore, which I pray to God that's not true because that was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. imagine that kind of a that kind of an election in this climate, where we're even more yeah. divided than we were 20 years ago. I mean, that that'd be insane. But yeah, yeah. What what are your thoughts on? on how how you think it'll go. I mean, do you have any general predictions of what's going to happen, you know, whether it be on the actual election itself or what'll happen outside of that? Any, you know, predictions on fraud and rioting and so forth? Well, when it pertains to fraud and rioting, I mean, we're already starting to see rioting taking place because of uh, you know, just I think a few days ago, Amy Coney Barrett was just announced the, to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you already have a fair number of people on the left already rioting. And I think that's only going to continue to escalate as we get closer and closer and closer and closer towards, um, you know, election uh, towards November 3rd. Now, or November 2nd, I can't remember what when the third. actual. It's it, third. It is a third. Cool. Yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was gonna say. I was like. Uh, I hope I have. My but if you're vo- if you're if that. you're voting for Joe Biden, it's on the fourth. So you yeah, know, exactly. just vote on the fourth. So, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I th- I think you'll see rioting continue to escalate as we hit, the, you know, November third. Now, when it comes to the actual results, I don't think, regardless of what the result is, I don't think either side is going to accept the result. Um, regardless of whether it's a you know tie and it gets resolved in the what uh, gets you know voted voted on in the uh, the House of Representatives, or if it's a landslide in one direction or the other, I don't think either side is really going to you know accept the result on face value, and so I think there's going to be a lot of you know deliberation back and forth. Um, I just based off of just the general polling and also the fact that Biden went on national television and 
admitted he was going to try to phase out the oil industry. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think that it will have a colossal effect on you know swing states like Texas, for instance. Like Texas was projected to to turn blue this year, but I, I with him coming out saying that he's going to you know phase out the oil industry, I'm very doubtful that you know. And in, I think Texas will stay red. Uh, that's safe to say. And, and even in states like Pennsylvania uh, that have already had, you know, voters that have cast their casted their ballots early, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of a lot of them have been, you know, tweeting like, you know, can we, you know, can we change our answers now? Like, can we change our, <laughs> you know, can we change our answers. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think you're going to see in these swing states. Those I think they will kind of slightly veer red, so I still think Trump will hold the electoral college, but I think it won't be as I don't think he'll have it as heavily as he did back in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I, I regardless of what the result is, I think either side is not going to really accept the result, particularly with the left, because if I'm not mistaken, Hillary Clinton basically directly told Biden to not accept the result of the presidency if um if trump does get you know the election if he does win the electoral college yeah yeah i I mean i could i could see that happening i could essentially i'm pretty much with you i think it's going to be a repeat of 2016 as far as trump winning the electoral college but losing the popular vote but I, I mean, I could be surprised. Uh, he, maybe he'll win the popular vote. I don't know. But, you know, I just the reason I think that he'll more than likely lose the popular vote again is even when he went up against Hillary Clinton, who was universally despised by both sides, Hillary Clinton still won the popular vote. Yeah. So Biden doesn't have that that reputation as being universally hated as far as personality goes. So I think he's got a much better shot at. Maybe too. maybe yeah. increasing the popular vote as far as how much how much it's won by the Democrat candidate, uh, but at the same time, you know, I do think, and it's not even just because of what Biden said at the debate. He and Kamala Harris have said this repeatedly in in previous debates and interviews that they want to get rid of fracking and they want to you know they want the Green New Deal and they want all these regulations and i think joe biden just said the other day that you know i'm you know we're gonna get rid of the the trump tax cuts and 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 all this kind of stuff and we're gonna mandate masks and we're gonna mandate this and mandate that i mean i just you know i I, the thing is if trump loses my theory is if trump loses it's gonna be because of covid because enough people are just hyped up on the fear drug that they've been convinced that the reason so many people are dying is because Trump doesn't care about science and doesn't care about masks and doesn't care about all these different things. And, you know, if, if he loses, it's because, and this is something that the Democrats have been really good at for a long time. And that's playing into people's emotions and especially fear. I mean, if you just listen to that last debate, Man, you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, you said we're gonna go into a dark winter or something. Yeah, like you that, want to talk about apocalyptic? Yeah. 
I mean, that was one of the most depressing things I've ever heard from a presidential candidate, that everything's well, you know what's, dark and you know gloomy, what's and you're sitting across from your uncle or your cousin, they're in an empty chair because they're dead, and it's like, good lord, yeah. man. <laughs> well, and what's what's funny, too, is that, like, you know, he talks about how, oh, I don't see red and blue states, let's talk about Biden. And he talks about, oh, I don't see red and blue states, but then proceeds to you know, talk <laughs> about how horrible. The- yeah, he proceeds to t- attack the red states for having, you know, uh, COVID spikes. But then, you know, it's just, it's just, it, yeah, it's just anytime he ever tries to make like a call for unity, it's always so backhanded because he then proceeds to follow it up with the most divisive, like, rhetoric. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, see, and and that's why that's why I believe Trump will ultimately win is because even though people are scared, at, at the same time, you know, when when he, when he was talking about you know the rises in suicide and depression and drug and alcohol abuse, things like that, part a lot of that has to do with the shutdowns and with with not being exactly. able to go back to work and that kind of thing, and. Trump has been out there consistently saying we need to open back up safely, but we need to open back up all these different things. We're going to make it through this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that typically is, you know, going to have some significance to what people are ultimately going to decide. Yes. Yes. Fear definitely plays well into what people will do, but if you give them something to, to cling to, to hope for, Depending on who's listening to that, that can really hold sway. And, you know, I, I definitely agree that the uh, the Biden thing about phasing out the oil industry is, is certainly going to hurt him in places like Texas and Oklahoma and Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I've been seeing, uh, and I don't know how accurate they are, but seeing polls starting to tighten up to, to close in with the, with the margins and everything. And so, who? I mean, who knows? You know, it, there could be just enough people that are like, you know what? You know, maybe maybe he's not done the best job, but Biden is not exactly competent. So, which which is which is the thing too? I mean, why? Even if you think Trump has done a bad job, you really think Joe Biden, with all his mental, you know, insufficiencies or whatever you want, deficiencies, you really think he's going to do much better? I mean, oh, I, mean, exactly. I guess, yeah. I guess if you if your if your logic is well, he's gonna just turn it all over to Fauci and to uh, you know all the doctors and everything, and he's he's gonna do whatever they want to do. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's their logic, but still, I mean, I, I just don't know that people will want to as bad as as bad as they don't want COVID to stick around. Do they really want another shutdown? I I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I could be well, wrong, <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, I will not be surprised if Trump loses because yeah, because I refuse to be surprised again by people's willingness to just buy into whatever is spoon fed to them as far as, you know, the fear goes and, you know, just just buying into all the propaganda. I, I just. You know, it, it he may win. I think he probably will. But if he loses, it's not really going to surprise me. Yeah. Well, I think you know, I think the establishment is going to do everything in their power to 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 find some way to get the you know to to get 
Joe Biden the presidency. I mean, I mean, Bernie Sanders got in, entirely too close to messing that up, you know, during the D, you know the DNC uh, primary you know elections. Um, so once Joe Biden, if he gets the presidency, he's going to rush in the ivory tower, bolt the doors, and then just you know then and the entire establishment Democrats are just going to you know hold up there and laugh upon the general public for you know laugh upon you know the the outsiders for uh trying to actually take the reins of government um and and i could very well see joe biden winning i think when it pertains to joe biden though I think the problem you run into with him is that, again, like you pointed out, he's been in government for 47 years. And during his time, he his legislation has only resulted in utter, you know, utter catastrophe. It has only resulted in the hundreds of thousands of African-American, you know, males being wrongfully incarcerated, you know, in our prison systems. And I, I legitimately had people, you know basically trying to make the argument that oh we shouldn't blame joe for our for our culture that's changing you know he you know he's not responsible for that and i thought i was like you would never be making this argument if it was an election year like you're only making this argument because you know he's your candidate he's your otherwise if it was somebody else you would be you'd be raging on twitter and facebook or wherever to lock him up yeah, I mean the left is, you know, they're they're pushing cancel culture. Uh, you know, that, that's yeah. what that's what they're doing. I mean, you you can tweet, you can have tw you could have tweeted something out when you were, you know, twelve years old, and be on a well, very successful career, and it comes out that you said something really stupid or or whatever. And it just completely ruins, and you don't see the left saying, yeah. "Well, you know, these are changing times." And yeah, we, we shouldn't know, hold the, you know, those people yeah, accountable. That for... that is, that is by far not what they're saying. You know, it, yeah, it, exactly. It, they will literally invent any excuse they can to to just vote for Joe Biden. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, and 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 the fact that he had the audacity to lie. On national television about why he wasn't able to repeal the 94 crime bill which he wrote by the way everyone forgets that he wrote the 94 crime bill that is unilaterally hated across the board every reasonable politician that hates the 94 crime bill including people from california like you ask <laughs> anybody from california what they think about the 94 crime bill not big fans of it and he literally had the audacity to stand up there and blame the reason why he wasn't able to repeal the 94 crime bill, which he admitted was a mistake on his end, was because of a Republican Congress, which is utter bullshit, by the way, because during Obama's first two years of his presidency, not only did they have a majority in the Senate, but they had a supermajority in the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. they didn't lose control of the Senate. The Democrats didn't lose control of the Senate until 2014. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
it's politics as usual. Both sides do it, you know. I mean, exactly. You know, Republicans had the White House, the House, and the Senate, and you know, there were several things that they just never did, you know. And it's so frustrating too. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, the ends justify the means, you know. Yeah, tr- <laughs> Joe Biden may not be yeah. our particular candidate, but hey, he's going to be better than Trump, and he's got Kamala Harris, who will more than likely be president, uh, you know, before the end of Biden's first term. So, you know, it'll yeah, ultimately all work out for good. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, however, uh, I will say I am, you know, pretty optimistic about how, the, um, you know, Joe Jorgensen and the Libertarian Party are going to reform uh, in this upcoming election. I think, I I really believe we could see Joe Jorgensen picking up the popular vote by at least over 10%. Uh, I, th- I think she's going to outperform Ross Perot. I, I, I just based off of the, the crowds that she's been gathering at each state that she's visited. I mean, it's it's been... You know, there have been really sizable crowds, and I could really foresee her, um, because I, I really and truly, and I know we've kind of went back and forth on this as to the nature of Jorgensen's, um, you know, pull, but I really do believe that we're going to have, and just based off of the voter turnout we've already gotten from early voting, I think she's going to outperform Ross Perot by at least 12% of the popular vote. Um, you know, because I think Ross Perot had like, what, like 8% whenever he uh, whenever he ran back in like 90... Yeah, he had a pretty sizable chunk there. But, you know, part of that was he was actually allowed on the debate stage at, at one point. And yeah. he, um, he may have actually... I'd heard this theory that he may have actually helped um, H.W. Bush win a second term if he hadn't pulled out pulled out of his campaign and then restarted it towards the end. Um, I, I think I think I heard something like that recently. But but yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, I if if she doesn't perform that well. You could certainly blame the media for that. You could certainly blame oh, our, our current state of, of politics for that. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that we aren't putting more than just Republicans and Democrats on a stage, you know. And, you know, I, I will push some of the blame on the libertarian organization as a whole as far as, you know, who they try to nominate because they yeah. royally screwed up in 2016. Oh, with know. Gary Johnson? Absolutely. That's why I didn't vote for him. I, uh, I think I went well, with... Yeah. yeah. Especially his running mate, Bill Weld. He was a disaster. <laughs> he, he was like, yeah, a, exactly. he was like a, a, a big government guy, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you oh, know? man, yeah. So, well, Gary Johnson, just he kind of just took up the mantle of libertarian, but he was not even remotely close to being libertarian. Oh, no. I mean, he was, he, he was he was for forcing private businesses to uh, to cater to people they disagree with on religious issues. You know, yeah, he was exactly. he was he was totally for the government forcing private businesses to do that. You know, and I mean that's not a libertarian position. <laughs> so libertarian, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm so small government. I'm going to force them to make you do what you don't want to do. You know that that's that's <laughs> crazy. But yeah, exactly. I, I really hope that if not this election, next election or 
someday soon that a, a third party will come up and mm-hmm. and really make a difference because you just got to think people are getting more and more sick of of these options that we're getting you know yeah exactly but you got to think eventually someone's going to be like okay let's just try something else and just see what happens i mean that's what happened with trump they were like okay let's just try let's just try someone who's never been in, in politics before let's throw him in there and see what he does you know maybe that'll happen with the libertarian party and be like okay let's just let's just not elect either republican or democrat and let's try this you know who knows i mean i i would love to see the day where that happens for sure well, and but. all the people that that discredit, you know, the idea of third parties, and you're throwing you know, your like, phone putting, away. Well, yeah. Well, it's like, <laughs> first of all, the Republican Party was formed as a third party. Like people kind of forget that, and I'm like, third parties have a place in our government. Like, and it's just this whole notion that, like, oh, it's 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 a complete waste if you vote for a third party. It's like, well. To me, that's just a, a, a cheap fascist tactic to bully people into voting for a you know a, a fundamentally flawed you know voting system you know <laughs> just to adhere to to party loyalism you know it's just it's to me that's just a just you're intimidating people to vote for your party mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's just yeah. Yeah, in many ways, I mean, politics has just become a sport. You know, you have your your team that you're a part of, yeah. and you're completely loyal, and you don't even think about joining another side. And yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And they don't, you know, they don't understand that this is bigger than just sports. I mean, this is everyday life. You know, if you are constantly having this politician or this party that says one thing and does another, it's it's screwing everybody else over. And if you just keep tolerating that, then it doesn't get better, you know? That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I just, we, we could go into a whole show on that and, you know. <laughs> but anyway, that that's going to do it for our podcast today. We uh, have certainly had a good time chatting about stuff that we've missed in the past couple As of weeks. Always. So we, something tells me, something tells me our podcast next week is going to be quite interesting depending on what happens in the next few days. So, <laughs> you know, just, just slightly. So we will definitely be here next week talking about whatever happens, whether it be the election or more updates with games and movies being delayed and all the fun stuff that goes along with living in our, our wonderful, peaceful system that we live in. So we'll see you back here next time. Don't forget, you can check us out on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all these other places that you typically listen to podcasts on, just make sure and find us there. Give us a five-star rating and review and tell people about the show. Spread the word, and we'll see you back here next week. Take care, everyone. See you guys.